Wagner podcast is the place to eavesdrop and participate in conversations about making choices around how you spend your time, who you surround yourself with, and figuring out what you want to be known for. This is a place to talk about the challenges of bravery, living thoughtfully and strategically, and finding your way to be known for what you want. Your hosts, Amanda Wagner and Liz Pittman, are ambitious, thoughtful women who both want to be known for something and decided to stop waiting for things to be just so. In today's episode, we reminisce about our most underwhelming networking experiences and lackluster community events, take a page out of Greg McEwen's book Essentialism as we try to do less but better, and discuss how creating objective criteria can help us eliminate FOMO and cultivate JOMO, or the joy of missing out, and share our own criteria for how we spend our time. Plus, in WWAWD, we have a question from Ryan, who doesn't see his boss very often, so doesn't get much feedback on the work he's doing and wants to figure out how to get it. Hello, Liz Pittman. Hello, Amanda Wagner. Welcome to today's episode. I am very excited about this one. Mm -hmm. This is one I talk about a lot yeah. and have been asked to present on to groups of people. It's the type of thing that I used to mention really offhandedly that I had event criteria and found that people would say, wait, 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 slow down. I need to write this down. Yeah. So there's no better place to share this like with the wonderful listeners of the Amanda Wagner podcast. Have you ever arrived at an event or networking group and felt desperate to find one person or have one conversation or one idea that makes the event worthwhile? You got dressed, you put the name tag on, you may have found childcare, you found parking, you put yourself in a room full of strangers or showed up to support a friend and feel so discouraged, like you didn't get what you needed or that your time could have been better spent? Welcome to the first year of my business. Network, they said. <laughs> Go to everything, they said. You never know who you'll meet and maybe this will be the place where you find the perfect person, client, connection. I was exhausted. And I was grumpy and bitter and resentful of every event I attended that didn't fill my tank. And if I wasn't out two or three times a week, I was at home wondering if I was missing out on the person, the conversation, or the prospective client, thinking that this is the only way to find them. Here's the thing. Nobody is going to value your time more than you do. So regardless of how much or how little you value your time and energy, nobody is going to value it more. It is up to you to decide how to spend your time and energy. Liz, any thoughts coming up for you right now? This, when you said you were out two or three times a week, and if you weren't, you were at home thinking about what was going on. Just that made me tired, just thinking about that. Yes. Oh, like, I I hate the word hustle. Oh, like, it bothers me. I, I wish there was a better replacement word for it, because yeah. it doesn't seem to be one in our vocabulary just yet, but I hate the idea of it. We'll talk about this in a little bit, but you know how much I value Liz time? Yes. And if I am <laughs> taking dedicated Liz time to go to one of these BS events, yeah, I'm going to be upset. If you haven't heard about Liz time before, Liz time is where Liz schedules in time to be alone. 
and I have adopted this language and invite you to as well. <laughs> so when I need time by myself, I put Liz time in my calendar. So it looks like I'm spending it with Liz, but I'm actually spending it by myself. <laughs> This is a topic that is close to my heart because I have been exhausted by it. I have been burnt out by it. When I learned of the term JOMO or the joy of missing out, all I could think was Liz Lemon and I want to go to there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Give me 30 rack references all day long. There yeah. you go. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I have read many an article about how the most successful women or successful people are those that are awake and moving at the crack of dawn and the 5am club continues to grow. I will tell you it took me until my third event that started at 7 o'clock a.m. for me to quickly discover it is not the place for me to be. My brain isn't there. I'm grumpy and annoyed and frankly, it would throw off the rest of my day mm -hmm. because by 2 p.m., my energy was just shot and I wasn't in a cadence where I could pick myself back up from that or I hadn't planned to finish my day by 2 o'clock, so it threw me off. I've had to remind myself, Oprah, Anna Wintour, and Michelle Obama aren't successful simply because they wake up at 5 o'clock a.m., and that because I don't wake up at 5 o'clock a.m., I'm somehow destined to live a mediocre, unsatisfying, unsuccessful life. Rather, I learned that for me to be my best self for others and to be in a place where I can welcome new ideas and people, it cannot be at 7 o'clock a.m. After spending a year at far too many events and doing what I call capital N networking, which for me, it means a bunch of strangers with name tags in blazers who are handing each other business cards. I had to introduce what I call my event criteria. And I have four pieces of criteria that I use to assess if I'm going to attend that event or not. My coach, Jenny Mustafa Julak, calls this opportunity criteria and advocates for creating criteria for how you spend your time so that you can be objective about it. She talks about minimum musts and deal breakers so that when we are presented with an opportunity, we are better able to assess it objectively and not let emotion get in the way. It takes out any opportunity for FOMO mm -hmm. because then I can look back at a specific list of it didn't meet these things, so I don't do it. Jenny calls it opportunity criteria. I call it event criteria. And for me, it really helped me to have a handy dandy list that I could pull out and it made decision making way faster for me. So of course I'm gonna share my criteria and we are also going to share a whole list of 15 questions to help you identify your own criteria. But first let's talk to LP again. Uh, tell us about the type of events you find yourself at. How do you do capital N or small N networking? Where do you spend your time? My time is really, really, really important to me. And I think that I've come to realize this as I've gotten older. We've talked on previous episodes of the podcast how I'm establishing boundaries with myself. And yes. sometimes by the, by the end of the day, I don't have a whole lot to give. I'm tired. We all are tired. 
If I'm going to a networking event, mm-hmm. it needs to be worth my time. It needs to be a good event. It can't be at the ass crack of dawn. <laughs> Did you yes, like that? You like that? I really liked it. It can't be too long after the traditional work day has ended. I have a life, uh, and capital and networking is not in my top 50 favorite activities. So Brilliant. my life comes before that. I also have a PVR that I prefer uh, to hang out with after 8 p.m. Yes. So I, I have to be really specific about the events that I choose. And truthfully, I don't do a lot of networking. Because I'd rather spend my time in other places. I am fortunate enough to have a career that's pretty digital. Correct. So I'm lucky enough to have been able to make some really great connections through the internet. And the internet doesn't replace a face-to-face connection, but it sure does kind of bridge the gap a little bit. Sure. So I'm lucky enough to have that. I will say that when I do go to networking events or these sort of community events, it really helps me if I know someone else that is going. I can't wait to talk about this. Yeah, so I think that probably rings true for a lot of people that they need a buddy. I don't want to hang out with that person the whole night, but I at least need somebody to kind of make it easier to start the event, you know? Like, I just, I need a bit of a buffer. Like, for the first five minutes, I just need someone to theoretically hold my hand and just, like, get it started. Um, And then, then I'll get into that mindset. I don't do the networking thing very often. Yeah. But that, having that partner in crime can help. Even though I know that hashtags don't work in text messages. <laughs> yeah. We have a hashtag, yeah, which is hashtag couch by nine. Yep. And I know that's really important to you. It is very important and to And earlier me. this week, I believe you even canceled an evening event. I did. And had couch by 5.30. I did, and I'm proud to say I was there by five. <laughs> well played. Thank you. <laughs> I'm very similar to you. Um, I've alluded to to my criteria in terms of the the morning events, but first let me list my four criteria and then I will explain where they come from and you'll see that Liz and I have some things in common. So an opportunity or an event is ideal for me if, number one, there is somebody there that I want to meet. It means I do my research. Number two, There has to be somebody that I know. Either I'm meeting them there, they are coming with me, and I will explain why. The reason is a little bit different than yours, Liz. Mm -hmm. Number three, I have to be interested in the topic and I want to learn something. So I don't want to go to an event just to feel good or just to say that I went I want to learn something concrete that I can then share with someone else or apply to my own practice. And finally, number four, it has to be at a time of day that works for me, i.e. not the ass crack of dawn (laughs) and couch by nine. Yep. The reason that these things came up, when I talk about somebody I want to meet, I am always prospecting and looking for clients and looking for other people I want to meet, businesses I want to engage with. But when I say there has to be somebody that I want to meet, it means that I look at who has RSVP to this event. 
I look at who is attending the event, either Facebook, Instagram, who's been promoting it, how was I invited, who's part of the group, simply because I want to know at the very least I will meet one person that I derive some value from or that I can give value to. People are surprised when I say that I want to know someone. And I think that's because I'm outgoing, I'm gregarious, I can hold my own in a room full of strangers. And to be honest, even when Robin and I attend events together, we typically don't talk to each other until the end of the event anyway, where we debrief and recap. And that's why I love having somebody else there. It's an opportunity to debrief who did we meet, what did we learn, how did we experience the event. And in the case of really terrible events, I love being able to complain about why it was so terrible or how it could have been done better or what I needed. So sometimes there is, if I don't have a great time at an event, sometimes there's somebody else who can say, oh, it's because you didn't meet this person. Let me connect you with them. Mm -hmm. So there's always some type of value. It's like having a second set of eyes for sure in a room. Um, Liz, do you have criteria? I do. I will attest to the fact that you are outgoing and can hold your own in a room full of people. And I often can do that as well, yeah. but not always. I appreciate an event that recognizes that networking is not easy for everyone. Yes. So I love when an event does something to make it a little bit easier for someone. Maybe that's Prompts, conversation starters. Got it. I you was know? thinking, is this a name game or a get yeah, to know you or an icebreaker? Some, like something. Like some of those can be really cheesy and yes. stupid. Like you have to do it right, but it gets you out of the, so what do you do? Same old BS, exchange the business card, connect on LinkedIn, move on. It's like bad speed dating. Like yes. that's to kind of bust out of the routine. I think that that can be really helpful. Also, in a kind of a similar vein... I appreciate things like the Next Big Thing conference. I wasn't able to attend, but I saw this on Twitter. Uh-huh. They have a table. It's called like Introverts Networking. And it's a table where you can leave your business card and look at the table to see who else has left a business card. And then you can take the opportunity to connect with them on your own. Oh, that's fascinating. So you're not stuck in the room being forced to talk to these people if you're truly not comfortable. Introver- introverts want to meet people and connect as well and but maybe the typical networking space just isn't right for them correct especially with gregarious people like me sure yeah <laughs> it really whatever with all types of people you know so I appreciate inclusivity of all types of personalities that's yep. really important I think a lot of times networking events cater to the people that networking is easy for and everybody wants to make connections um, and meet other people. So I I like when there are other ways of doing that. Um, And my, one of the most important pieces of criteria is good snacks. Okay. And table, but tables to eat them. Okay. If they're complicated. There is nothing I hate more than going to an event and I have like a plate of food yeah. and a glass of wine and yeah. you're expecting me to shake somebody's hand. Like this isn't going to work. I want to know what fancy bitch events you're going to <laughs> you're going to when you get snacks and a glass of wine. It's just you have to think about things like that. Just oh, like I know. put up some tables or areas. Yeah, so it's we not need awkward. cocktail tables. 
Yeah. Like, that's, like, I feel like that's kind of a silly thing to mention, but it is... It's not. ...super important in terms of the flow of the room and making people feel comfortable and not awkward. I completely agree. Yeah. Oh, I will... I do want to comment on the icebreaker thing. I think we have both played icebreaker bingo. We have to, like, <laughs> find someone in the room who's traveled to seven or more countries or who has a tattoo. Um, I was at a conference last spring... And there was a presentation about how to get out of asking the question, so what do you do? Yeah, it's the worst. It is the worst. And so for me, I started using the question, what are you most excited for today? Or what talk are you going to that you're looking forward to? And this person, oh, bless her, was very bold and pretty woo-woo and suggested we start conversations with, what sets your soul on fire? Oh, that's heavy for that a That was question. very intense. So while I love questions beyond, what do you do? What brings you here? I am not going so far as to say, hello, my name is Amanda. Nice munchy mix you've got there. <laughs> what sets your soul on fire? Oh, that's barfy. Yeah, 100% barfy. So if you are somebody who has ever been at one of these events and looked at the clock and wondered how soon can I get the hell out of here or you find yourself giving way more than you're getting it is time to build out your criteria and Liz and I are here to help we have developed 15 questions to help you figure out what matters most to you and hopefully can support you in deciding how to best spend your valuable time you do not have to have a certain number of criteria. I happen to have four. Having these 15 questions doesn't mean you need an answer for each of them. Mm -hmm. And you have to have a folio of pages that come out of your wallet every time you're asked to attend something. But these are different areas to consider. Number one, where and how far are you willing to go? Oh, yeah. Do you drive or take transit? Do you care about paying for parking or walking a few blocks? Super important one to consider, especially if you are attending with someone else and carpooling might be involved. Number two, how much are you willing to pay to get into events? For example, we might be thinking about the cost of food and drinks. If you have to pay for a lunch to be at an event or pay to see a specific speaker, Alternatively, things like paying for a meal if you're going to be missing one while you're at that event or paying for a sitter yeah. if you need somebody to look after your home or your child while you're away. Mm -hmm. I'll take number three. Of course you will. <laughs> uh, number three on our list is food and drinks. This sometimes will relate to the time of day, you know, only going to get up at the ass crack of dawn. If someone else is making me breakfast or, you know, if this is a cocktail hour right after work, like there needs to be something that holds me over until dinner, that sort of thing. Number four, time of day and length of event. So we've talked about the time of day as in I don't do 7 a.m., but some people might not do 5 p.m. And Liz, you are not the type of person who's going to do an 8 p.m. event. Mm, no way. <laughs> I know that personally, I'm brain dead after two hours of intense learning, and I need a break. So that tells me that the cap for me is around two hours of time. Mm -hmm. This next one, number five, 
the program. Is there a set agenda and purpose for the event or is it a free-for-all? I This is really, really important to me. I can't do free-for-all. I'm yeah. someone who plans every freaking minute of my life anyway. Yeah. But I can't know I'm setting aside two hours of my day for like a very meandering sort of thing. I would like to have it broken down and know what I'm in for. Number six is really related to this, which is preparation. Do you have to do any pre-work? Do you have to fill out an online questionnaire or a survey? Or do you have to do any homework after? Will there be a post-event survey? Do you have to post on social media with a specific hashtag? Are you expected to meet somebody that you engaged with at the event? It's really important to me that the expectations are set in advance so I know exactly how much I'm dedicating to this. Number seven is in line with number six, which is what do I have to bring? There are events that are potlucks or where you are asked to bring a donation for a shelter or a charity that you can support. So that is one way to assess, is this the event for you? Do you have time and energy to invest in that sort of thing? Number eight, what is the purpose of the event? For example, if we're just all passing out business cards, this is not the place for me. It's not the place for AW. No, not at all. And my business cards are real nice. <laughs> they are. I can't I can very confirm. nice. So even though I promise I'm not bitter about how expensive they were, but I will tell you that they were 85 cents each. <laughs> so if you're just going to come and say, can I have your business card? I am the type of person who says, sure, but tell me why. Yeah, you got to work for that. You got to work for that 85 cents. <laughs> Can I take number nine? Because yes. I feel very strongly about this Yes. One. For full day events or conferences, is there scheduled in downtime or time for me to be alone? I, I love a good conference. I don't love a conference where I've been sitting all morning yep. with a group of people. My brain is full. And now we all have to sit together and eat lunch at that same table we've yep. been sitting at all morning. I can't. I need to process yep. what I learned that morning. I love when a conference gives the option to not stay for lunch. Yes. You know, like if there's an hour, I'll wander to a coffee shop down the street and I'll just give my brain a break, take in all of that that I learned in the morning and give myself a couple minutes to recharge before we go into a full afternoon as well. Yeah. I'm not a great conversationalist when I'm forced into those lunches because it's just, it's a lot for a single day. Of course. And especially when the people at the table, the only thing you have in common is that conference. Yes. So you're not going to talk about anything different because that's all you know about each other. Yeah. Uh, number 10, consider if you are prospecting or looking for new clients, do you expect to meet your ideal client at this type of an event? Hmm. I know somebody who is consistently disappointed by events because they didn't meet any potential clients, but they would continue to attend events without first looking at who would be there. Instead of constantly being disappointed, set yourself up by thinking, who do I want to meet? Who do I want to spend my time with? Number 11, who do you want to be surrounded by? So for example, we've heard from people that will only attend events that are inclusive to all genders. I think this could tie back into my personal criteria with, is this event inclusive for people who network in different ways, right. extroverts versus introverts, really kind of thinking about 
your style of networking and whether or not you'll fit in with this group. On the inclusivity front, I think there is a lot to be said for how do we respect people of different personality or uh, networking types? How do we ensure that we are inclusive to all different sorts of people of different abilities, different strengths, so that we're building an environment where people do feel safe, comfortable, and cared for. And that also ties back into the idea of how much you're willing to pay. Because there are certainly networking groups where you are required to have a membership and attend once a week at this time with these rules and pay a ton of money for it. If that makes you feel uncomfortable, it's probably not the place for you. Number 12, what time of day do you have the energy to be around other people? I like to talk to people. I love to be around people. What it means is that when I get my hair cut, I have a conversation with my hairstylist about, can we just sit quietly for an hour? Because that's my downtime. So after a whole day of talking to people in the evening, am I really my best self? Probably not. Number 13, what type of exposure do you need or expect? I feel like this kind of ties a little bit into the pre-work or the homework Mm -hmm. um, aspect. Really figuring out what that looks like, you know, is the, the exposure via social media or are you expected, you know, sometimes these events have a required testimonial at the end of it and that sort of thing. And some people, including myself, don't have the energy necessarily or the patience to do something like that. Mm-hmm. Social media, for sure, I'm all over, but the testimonial can be, can be difficult sometimes. So being mindful of what's expected of you and if you're required to put anything forward. Mm-hmm. Number 14, what makes you feel full and like an event or a group or community is worth it? Snacks. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> She's not kidding. 50% snacks. <laughs> but it really is about thinking in the past, where have you got the most value? And all of these criteria might be shifted a little bit if it's a different season of the year. Or if you are at a conference in a different city and somebody else is paying for it, you might feel more obligated to attend certain events or to have to go to something to report back to your team. But when you get to make the choice, it's worth sitting back and figuring out how do you get the most value from these situations. And number 15, the final item on our list, which really kind of just sums it all up. What are your deal breakers? So if you are determining how best to spend your time and whether or not you should attend an event, really thinking about what is important to you and what makes it not worth it. Absolutely. Uh, Liz, what are your deal breakers? No snacks. Yeah, no snacks. Having to carry two handfuls of snacks <laughs> and not being able okay, to Okay, I them. would just like to... Like, snacks are important, but there are other things. My deal breakers are... The time of day is a really big one for me yep. and making sure that the event caters, that doesn't mean snacks, <laughs> <laughs> the event caters to people who network in all different ways and it's just inclusive for people with different personalities. Yeah. I think my biggest deal breaker is conference and event organizers will put people in a room and hope like hell they connect. Yeah. And I want a purpose. Mm -hmm. I want to know before I go into an event something that I can expect to get from it. 
so that I can gauge before I even go, will this be worth it? Okay, time to move to our recurring segment of the Amanda Wagner podcast, WWAWD, which is What Would Amanda Wagner Do? We gather questions from listeners via Instagram and emails, and every episode, answer the question, What Would Amanda Wagner Do? So today's question comes from Ryan, who says, I started a new job about six months ago and have a pretty independent role at work. I think I'm doing good work and I'm completing all my tasks, but I don't have many interactions with my boss, Mm. so I can't tell for sure. He and I see each other at work and are friendly, but I haven't had any explicit feedback and I'm not sure if he is expecting me to ask for it. So, what would Amanda Wagner do? Ryan, this is a great question and I think I have a great answer for you. As humans... We need validation, especially when it comes to doing a job that we are being paid for. We want to know that we're doing it well, that we're doing it right, we're meeting expectations, and you are still figuring out the ins and outs of a new workplace, so that feedback is even more important. If you're not getting any feedback, it's very easy to slip into feeling like an imposter and second-guessing the work that you're doing. So I have two recommendations for you. Number one, I would keep a record of what you're working on and what you're achieving, both in your day-to-day work and a little more big picture. So think monthly or quarterly. This way, you're gathering evidence of what you're doing. And even if this information doesn't go to your boss, you can remind yourself that you are moving the needle in your role for the company or the institution that you're working for and that you are completing things. The second suggestion, of course, if you want feedback, don't ask, don't get. Amen. D-A-D-G. So ask your boss to set up an informal check-in. And great news, you've been there for about six months. So this is a logical time to check in on your progress. I think you can agree with me that nothing is worse than finding out that you aren't meeting expectations or completing your duties after the fact. So set the time to meet. In that meeting, ask your boss what is reasonable to expect as far as developing a schedule for feedback. If you can build out a cadence early that serves both you and your boss, be it quarterly meetings, informal coffee chats once a month, or a formal review once a year, you both need to know what to expect. And to keep any feelings of being an imposter at bay, take those notes. Write down what you're accomplishing, which customers are you delighting, how you're improving processes or efficiencies. At the very least, you will build out your own ta-da list and have some evidence of what you've been able to accomplish. Guarantee that you are doing something right or you wouldn't be there. So create reminders for yourself of all the things you're doing right and set that meeting with your boss. I hope this is helpful for you and I'm gonna take some of my own advice here and make sure that I'm setting regular opportunities for feedback with my team. Thank you for your question, Ryan. And thanks, as always, AW, for that answer. My pleasure. We want to hear your questions. Please keep sending them our way. You can submit them via Instagram, at theamandawagner. You can also visit theamandawagner.com. So find us on Instagram, and we explicitly ask you to share with us your criteria that helps you choose how to spend your time. Bonus points, 
Tell us your favorite events and conferences and how they fill your tank. Plus, if you think we should be there, should we be speaking at an event or presenting or there to meet some wonderful people? Let us know. We are always on the hunt for the best conferences, events, and even places online to spend our time. Share your best events with us on Instagram and we will absolutely look into them. And of course, as Liz said, keep sending us your questions. We love to hear them and it makes our brains work in wonderful ways. Thank you for joining us. And because we live by Don't Ask, Don't Get, we're asking you to follow along with us on social media at The Amanda Wagner, sign up for our newsletter at theamandawagner.com, and share this episode with a friend. If you love the podcast, please leave us a review. As always, we will have a brand new episode in two weeks' time. Until then, we will see you on the internet. Bye.